What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Music Madness. As always, this is your host, Kent. Thank you so much for sticking with the podcast and continuing to listen. It really means a lot to me that you keep checking it out and seeing what I'm here talking about and being part of the community. We're now four weeks into our very first theme, which is exploring Grammy-winning albums. We've gone through three rounds, and we're down to the Sweet 16. I'm actually pretty excited about this week's show. Up till now, we've had so many artists, starting with 64, that it was really tough to do much more than just read off the results, announce next week's matchups. Uh, it needed to happen, but it can get a little redundant, so I appreciate you kind of listening through. Well, now that we're down to the final 16 albums and we're trimming our list down to eight by the end of this week, we can spend a little bit more time talking through the albums, the artists, and all those kind of things. I, For those of you that don't know me all that well, I was a history major when I went to college. So I love digging into the history of what happened and why. And this week, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking through the albums in our final 16 and who they beat to win the Grammy for Album of the Year. I did a little bit of research into the contenders, and I wasn't around for a lot of these albums when they did win, so I'm relying on the internet here a little bit. So if you have a recollection or something interesting or information that maybe I don't mention here about what happened when they did win, please share it on the Discord server and let's let's have a conversation about it because I'm really interested in learning more about all these. First things first, I did want to talk a little bit about how the Grammys work. I know we've been having a bit of a conversation about how did an album that was like two years old win in a certain year. So a couple people were asking, how do they work on Discord? So I did a little bit of research into it. Um, As an example, Taylor Swift's Fearless, which was released in 2008, and it won album of the year in 2010. So how did that work? It has to do with the eligibility period for the Grammys, how they do it is that they monitor albums from October to October and then give out the award in March the following year. So in the case of the 2010 Grammys, it would be from October 2008 to October 2009. Tay-Tay put out Fearless in October of 2008. If she'd have put it out in September, it would have been eligible for the 2009 Grammy album of the year. So that's how it works. That, that There you go. Taylor has, uh, she's uh, looking at the release dates of all of her albums. They're all in October or November. So she knows what she's doing. She puts it out in a time period to try and win an, uh, a Grammy two years later. So that's, it's interesting to look at that. Next week, we're going to do a bit of a dive into the artist or the band. Where were they at in their career? Where'd they go after this success? The week after for the final four, we're going to go track by track on the final four albums and talk a little bit about them. We're going to look at some of the songs, who wrote them, how did they do on their own, if they've been remade. In the finals, we'll talk a bit about the final two albums, the path that they took to get there. We'll really celebrate the two finalists, look at some of the results along the way and have some fun. So enough of the preamble. I've talked enough about this. Let's get into the nitty gritty because we do have a lot to get through this week. First off, we're going to talk through the modern bracket. We have four albums left. Thriller by Michael Jackson, Bridge Over Troubled Waters by Simon and Garfunkel, 21 from Adele, and Fearless by Taylor Swift. This is the modern bracket, and it certainly lives up to the name with those four finalists. The average year of this group is 1994, which is the most recent by far, so pretty interesting. In our first matchup, our one versus four, it's number one, Michael Jackson's 
Thriller versus number four, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Holy cow, these two albums beat some really great albums to win when they did. And I got to say it, but Thriller beat a list of only bangers. Like, seriously, it's a who's who of 80s albums and uh, performers. Here's the list. Let's Dance from David Bowie, An Innocent Man from Billy Joel, Synchronicity from The Police, and Flash Dance, the soundtrack. Yes, Thriller is a magnificent album. It has some of the best songs ever and it had to earn its album of the year. Let's Dance from Bowie had Modern Love, Let's Dance, China Girl, Cat People. This was really peak Bowie. It was super weird stuff. He was really, when he was experimenting with some different stuff, but it was really at his best. Synchronicity from The Police sold 8 million albums, and this album had every breath you take on it. That's all. King of Pain and Wrapped Around Your Finger were on there too, but every breath you take should be enough. An Innocent Man from Billy Joel sold 7 million albums. It had Uptown Girl, Tell Her About It, The Longest Time, and the title track, An Innocent Man. So it it really had a lot of his best stuff on it. I know he won for 52nd Street, but this was really peak Billy Joel. Michael Jackson was also nominated two other times and lost both times. In 1988, he was nominated for Bad, and he lost to The Joshua Tree from U2, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And in 1996, History, Past, Present, and Future, Book One, lost to Alanis Morissette. And we'll chat about those two a little bit more about some of the album, the songs that were on those albums in the future. Bridge Over Troubled Waters didn't really have it easy either. Chicago, the band has been around forever, um, but the album Chicago from Chicago was their second album, and it was really when they were breaking out. The song 25 or 6 to 4 weird name uh feels like it's been in a ton of different movies color my world make me smile were big hits off that album close to you from the carpenters had huge hits we've only just begun and close to you um they covered a bunch of other songs from the beatles burt baccarat and a few others but those two first ones were massive songs from the carpenters back when they were really top of the line deja vu from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young sold over 8 million copies and was the first album featuring Neil Young as part of this group and is one considered one of the greatest albums of all time. Our House, Woodstock, Teacher Children, Carry On were massive hits. The band broke up soon afterwards, but this was really their biggest album and it was kind of surprising to that they came out the same year. Also nominated that year was Elton John, by Elton John. This was only his second album, so he was really just getting started, but it still had Your Song, Border Song, and Take Me to the Pilot, which are still really well-known songs today. So maybe not his biggest album, but certainly Your Song Alone is a tough one to beat. And then finally, James Taylor's Sweet Baby James. This is on Rolling Stone's list of the top albums of all time. Not really anything I've heard before, so I feel a little uh, ignorant on this one, but the supposedly Country Road, Fire and Rain, Anywhere Like Heaven and Sunny Skies all spent times on the charts. Not really something I know, but if Rolling Stone says it's a top album, it's probably pretty good. So when I was looking through nominations, Paul Simon is the most nominated artist in Grammy history. He's been nominated 
seven times, including this one with Simon and Garfunkel, including in 1969, Bookends by Simon and Garfunkel, Lost to Glenn Campbell. 1974, There Goes Ryman Simon from Paul Simon, Lost to Stevie Wonder, Intervisions. 1976, Still Crazy After All These Years, he won that one. 1987, Graceland, won that one. 1992, The Rhythm of the Saints, lost to Natalie Cole. And in 2001, You're the One, lost to Steely Dan. So, man, Paul Simon has been all over the place. The results here, this is probably the most contentious pairing on Discord this week. There was a lot of conversation, a lot of kind of back and forth, people giving their opinions, because these two albums are pretty great. So having both of them up against each other, uh, it was it was a little contentious. It felt like there were battle lines drawn. People were saying both are great, but there was pretty clear division about who was who. So what did you all think? With 55% of the vote, Thriller by Michael Jackson is moving on. I think there's going to be a lot of upset people listening to that one, but who will they face in the Elite Eight? At our two versus three, number two, Adele's 21 versus number three's Taylor Swift's Fearless. So I know I've talked about how Thriller and Bridge Over Troubled Waters really had to beat some classics to win. Well, 21 and Fearless didn't exactly have it easy either way. With Adele's album in uh, 2012 she had to face off against born this way by lady gaga it sold over four million albums and this was really early in lady gaga's career she was still synth queen and really poppy this was meat dress lady gaga i don't know if you've seen that where she showed up to a award show in a dress made out of meat she was really edgy really weird and this was before she started doing tony bennett collaborations and dressing like uh you know really nice uh, and was out there winning Oscars. Songs like Born This Way, Judas, and Edge of Glory were huge at the time. Interestingly enough, my daughters know the song Bloody Mary, which has become really popular now, but it was on this album because it was the, it was the song that was used on like Instagram or TikTok for the Wednesday Adam dance that was like everywhere after that show came out. Also, uh, Grammy winner, Bruno Mars's album Doo-Wops and Hooligans is actually a arguably a better album than the album 24 Karat, which won the Grammy for him. Doo-Wops sold twice as many albums as 24 Karat, had hits like Grenade, Marry You, The Lazy Song, and Just The Way You Are. Those are still on the radio today. They're huge songs. So it, it's crazy that he won for 24 Karat and not this one. And then there's Rihanna's Loud. Rihanna is the first female music artist ever to become a billionaire. She performed at the Super Bowl this year. She's a billionaire. It's crazy. A lot of her wealth came from a makeup line that she actually created um, from the money she made creating music. But she was a poor girl from the country of Barbados living on the streets. And then she came all the way with albums like this, created the wealth, and then used that wealth to create her Fenty beauty line which is massive now she she played almost this entire album at the super bowl what's my name snm only girl in the world cheers there's still bangers i after i watched her play the super bowl i was listening to a lot of rihanna afterwards and i i love rihanna and then the foo fighters were nominated for wasting light this feels like a 
the old Grammys trying to do their Lifetime Achievement Award and giving the fighters a foo a a little bit of a bone. But they threw it in with like some massive albums. Some of the songs off this album are okay, but there's no way they're winning this year against these guys. Um, The names off of it were Walk, These Days, and Rope. They were all over rock stations at the time, but they were nowhere near the Foo Fighters' best stuff, and they were never beating any of these other albums. So, uh, as we know, Adele was also nominated in 2017 and won for the album 25, and she was actually nominated in 2023 for the album 30 and lost to Harry Styles, so she's been up there a lot. So, of the four albums we've talked about so far, Fearless from Taylor Swift probably had the easiest road. This isn't to say she had it like a cakewalk, but her competition weren't some of the best albums of all time. Um, up that year, Dave Matthews, Big Whiskey, and Grugux King feels like another attempted Lifetime Achievement Award here. Uh, DMB's best stuff had been almost 15 years before this, and this felt a lot like when Beck won um, for some album that no one had ever heard of except for big DMB fans. Funny the way it is, Why I Am and You and Me were the singles, so I'm told. (laughs) I haven't heard any one of them until I was looking into this, but there they are. The End from the Black Eyed Peas was also up. This is their last really successful album before they really faded into oblivion. Um, After this album, uh, it was kind of when Fergie started leaving and doing her own thing. They only sold 4 million albums for this one, but their songs like I'm a Bee... I Got a Feeling and Boom Boom Pow, which are pretty big songs. They didn't stand up to Taylor's top of the line album here this year, though. So we talked about Lady Gaga in the last one, but now Lady Gaga's The Fame also was out in 2010. This was her debut album. It had some really club favorite names like Poker Face, Paparazzi, and Just Dance. It sold 7 million albums. It was really when she was just starting out, so it didn't have some of the musical quality of some of her later stuff or Fearless, so not a not a big one. So the biggest challenger to this album and probably the biggest controversy of that year was Beyonce's I Am Sasha Fierce was also up. So this was the album where Kanye walked up and interrupted Taylor Swift's acceptance speech during the MTV Music Awards when Taylor's song, You Belong With Me, beat Beyonce's single ladies. (laughs) Kanye says, yo, Taylor, I'm happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. (laughs) Classic. It was so funny. Um, her just like shocked face. I, I kind of felt bad for her because she's still only a 20 year old girl and we all know Kanye's crazy. Uh, we should have known what was coming from him after that. Songs from this album were Single Ladies. My daughters still do the Single Ladies dance to this day, almost 15 years later. The other songs off the album were Halo, If I Were a Boy, and Sweet Dreams. They're still real big classics. This was by far Taylor's biggest competition. Still blows my mind that Beyonce honestly didn't win it that year. Don't worry about Taylor, though, because she was nominated four other times in 2014. Her album Red lost to Daft Punk. In 2016, her album 1989 won, which was part of the competition. In 2021, her album Folklore won. And in 2022, her album Evermore lost to John Baptiste, which still blows my mind. So the results between our two and three seed, 
Not nearly as contentious as Thriller versus Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Adele dominated Taylor. 76% of the vote went to the British hit, hit master. Our Elite Eight matchup. So we have a one versus two seed in this bracket. Voting this week will be interesting. Are Simon and Garfunkel people going to be able to vote for Thriller now? Or are they bitter and going to vote against him no matter what? She's kind of had an easy run up to this point. So we'll see how she does against some serious competition. Now moving on to our ladies bracket. Can our ladies, Carol King and Lauren Hill, survive and keep the namesake going? In our one versus four seed, Carol King's tapestry is our number one seed versus number four, George Michael's Faith. So I was shocked to find out this was Carol King's really only album. She wrote some other things for other people, but she never really put out another album. She just puts out one of the best albums of all time and walks away. This year, Miss King had some really stiff competition, but I think it was pretty obvious to see which one should win. All Things Must Pass from George Harrison is probably your biggest competition in the year. One of the articles I was reading from said that the Academy actually felt guilty about not giving it to him this year, so they gave him the award in the next year for the concert for Bangladesh. The songs off of this album were My Sweet Lord and What Is Life. They're OG bangers. Like My Sweet Lord, I was listening to that one. I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. It's super good. Well done, just all the way around. Interestingly, this album was produced by now convicted murderer Phil Spector. So also up that year was The Carpenters by The Carpenters. This was their best-selling album with 4 million albums sold. This is something I just learned while I was looking at this, but Karen Carpenter, the lead singer, was also the drummer. How many bands have their lead singer be a drummer? I can't think of any others. Anybody know any? I can't think of anything. It'd be so hard to drum and sing. I couldn't imagine just the the gyration. Singles off this album were Rainy Days and Mondays, For All We Know, and Superstar were off this album. Speaking of Superstar, Jesus Christ Superstar was also up. So I know of this album, but it was a cultural phenomenon in the 70s. That's all I really know. I've heard Superstar and I don't know how to love him, but that's about it. It feels like one of those things you had to be around for. I do think it's crazy. This album actually ranked number one for sales on the year-end charts in 1971 over Tapestry, which also sold a ton of albums. And finally up that year was, we talking about Shaft? you damn right. It's kind of funny that this entire album was nominated just because the Shaft character was so awesome and Isaac Hayes really just was everywhere at that time. As I said, Carol King didn't put out another album, so this was her only nomination. On to George Michael, who seemed like he, of all of the final eight albums, he probably had the easiest path in the week, the year he was up. His album was by far the biggest thing happening at the time. And looking at some of the other albums who they had to beat, his was so, so, so obvious that he was going to win. So I had no idea that Tracy Chapman's Fast Car came out in 1989. Like that feels like, it should have been in the mid nineties or later, but her album, her self-titled album, Tracy Chapman had that song. It's a one hit wonder. Um, it, it was, it was on the, the radio even today. I had to look up who Bobby McFerrin was, but Bobby McFerrin's simple pleasures is the don't worry, be happy album. That song alone. It, it's just like this out. This year was one hit wonders all over the place. 
the song was featured in Tom Cruise's movie Cocktail, and I guess it was everywhere that year. It was just all over the charts. Um, he's also one of the only albums to be nominated where the songs are all in acapella, which I thought was kind of interesting. The The other album that was uh, nominated that year is probably his biggest competition is Nothing Like the Sun from Sting. This is probably his biggest competition, but it isn't even Sting's best stuff. Englishman in New York is the biggest hit off the album. And I even that one, I felt like I had bar- barely heard. And then finally, Roll With It by Steve Winward. I had to Google this one. Never heard that name before. Never heard any of his stuff. I looked up the songs and I didn't even think any of them were worth noting because I just, I just had never heard any of them. It sounds like the upbeat song from pretty much any 80s soundtrack, but that's that's about all I can really say. It's So George Michael should have won that year by far. Michael wasn't nominated ever again. Uh, this is his only nomination and his win. So results. While the ladies bracket can continue to be called the ladies bracket for at least one more week, Carol King holds on versus Mr. Michael to take down 62% of the vote. In our two versus three seed, our number two, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill by Lauren Hill versus number three, Songs in the Key of Life from Stevie Wonder. So in 1999, it feels like the Academy decided they were going to give the award to a woman, no matter what, because this is the first time ever that all five nominees were women. Also didn't hurt that they all were amazing albums and just like super strong competition that year. So uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that they went with Lauren Hill because of some of the albums that were on there. The biggest competition and the one that actually shocks me that she beat is Come On Over by Shania Twain. This is a monster album, huge. Come On Over sold over 20 million copies. It's a massive album. It's the largest country album ever to sell. It's the largest selling album by a woman ever. It's the largest selling album ever by a Canadian. And according to one of the sources, it was the seventh best selling album of all time. It's, it's, that's crazy. That's a huge album. I wasn't a country fan ever, but, um, man, I feel like a woman from this moment. You're still the one that don't impress me much. It was like every high school dance pretty much had to play all of those songs. I'm sure my wife's going to point out to me that I missed like five other songs. But to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that Lauren Hill beat this absolute monster of an album. Also, Cheryl Crow was nominated for her album, The Globe Sessions. This wasn't her best one that had like all of her best songs. My Favorite Mistake and Anything But Down were really the only noticeable songs off this album. Feels like uh, Happy To Be There versus some of the other massive names that were on the list. Like Madonna and her Ray of Light album. Madonna kind of reinvented herself in the 90s and produced probably what a number of people consider is her best musical album with this one, Ray of Light. The songs were a little slower, more personal, and like kind of reflective. She had songs like Frozen and the namesake Ray of Light. They were huge hits. They were all over the place. It really relaunched her career and took her into the second phase. Garbage is probably the least well-known artist on this list, but version 2.0 was a pretty big alternative rock hit album at the time. It didn't stand up to any of these other ones, but the song Special... Still pretty recognizable. I remember hearing it all the time in the the late 90s. Um, Yeah, so it really did come down to Lauryn Hill versus Shania Twain. 
Um, and the Academy went with Lauren Hill. In 1977, it seemed like Stevie had a real walk in the park versus his opponents. There are not really an artist on his level on this list. I'd never heard of George Benson. He sings, he's a jazz artist. Um, his artist, his album called Breezin was up there. Never heard it before. Um, Chicago X or Chicago 10 is oddly enough, Chicago's eighth album. It was per- put out after they had put out a greatest hits album. Kind of surprised it didn't win a lifetime achievement award here. I've heard if you leave me now and you're on my mind for sure, but they got nothing on Stevie's album. Also up that year was Frampton Comes Alive by Peter Frampton. It was a live album that it put out. Feels like one of those early Grammy what moments. Like this had some of his best stuff. It was it's a lot like the Clapton album that was trying to get in there with uh, some of his best stuff on there called Show Me the Way, Baby I Love Your Way, and Do You Feel Like We Do. The album sold 8 million copies and it's probably the biggest competition to Stevie that year. Also up that year was... Silk Degrees by Boz Skaggs. Boz Skaggs sounds like a made-up name. It's like a name generator. But it turns out that his album Silk Degrees was up that year, and he played guitar for the Steve Miller Band, decided to set on his own. Songs Lowdown and Lido Shuffle were ones I'd heard before, so there it is. Stevie was also nominated in 1974 and won for Intervisions. He was also nominated in 1975 for Fulfilling This's first finale which he won stevie only wins that's all he does so results i said this was my hardest vote of the week honestly i didn't vote till yesterday because i was really trying to decide which one i was going to go with i did decide to stick with my childhood and went with lauren hill looks like a lot of you decided to do the same thing and 64 percent went with lauren hill so she's moving on Next week, another one versus two. I kind of feel like this bracket was a bit top heavy when I was putting it together. The top eight albums were some of the best of all time. So no one really had a shot of cracking into the final eight. We'll see if that trend continues, but super interesting matchup. A 70s pop icon versus a 90s hip hop queen. And the, the ladies bracket continues to be dominated by the women. On to our soundtrack bracket. Three of our four finalists are soundtracks, but we'll see if any of them survive the onslaught that is Rumors. In our one versus four matchup, the number one seed Fleetwood Max Rumors versus the number four, the soundtrack for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Holy cow, Rumors is a huge album, but they had to beat some absolutely massive albums to win that year. So, um kind of impressive the you know the old saying that like steel sharpened steel they had to beat some hard things to even get onto this list the first one was steely dan's asia i know steely dan won in like the 2000s but this is probably the album that they should have actually won for they shouldn't have probably beat rumors but still it has a lot of their best known stuff peg josie and a song that's eight minutes long called deacon blues they're super big classics and you've probably heard them before the beast on this list is Hotel California by the Eagles. And I can't believe the Eagles haven't ever won an album of the year award. They must just run into buzzsaws like rumor every time they put something out. This album sold 26 million copies. It's in the top 40 of Rolling Stone's best albums of all time. Obviously, the song Hotel California is on the album. However, also on that album are New Kid in Town, 
Life in the Fast Lane. These are massive songs, and this is a huge album. Kind of a coin flip for me on who should have won, but not really. I mean, Rumors had like 10 good songs. This had like three good ones. If this album was in the bracket, though, I'll bet it would still be around at this point. I'll bet it'd still be in the final 16. James Taylor's JT isn't nearly as big as the two that won, but it has a number of songs that charted. Handyman and Your Smiling Face were his biggest hits. It's not really my bag, so I've not really heard a lot of those. And finally, this one is my bag. I love Star Wars. I've heard a lot of Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, embarrassingly so. The Star Wars soundtrack was up for the um, album of the year that year as well. Anytime I'm getting in trouble, I'm starting to sing the Empire March. If I'm like doing something or embarking on an adventure, it's dun, 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 right? Like everybody does that, right? Right? Or is that just me? Shouldn't have beat rumors, but the cultural impact of this album might have been bigger just because Star Wars is still massive today. Oddly enough, this was the only album that Fleetwood Mac was nominated for. Moving on to the number four um, album from Old Brother, Wherefore Art Thou? This feels weird looking at the list of albums this soundtrack beat. There aren't a lot of great nominees this year, but there does feel like at least one album that probably should have beat them. Um, the first album that was also nominated alongside them was Acoustic Soul from NDRE. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one because it doesn't really have anything that was that memorable. Video was like the one song I was like, oh yeah, I've heard that one, but it wasn't a huge song. You can see why. Um, oh brother, where art thou? Beat this one. All You Can Leave Behind was U2's other nominated album. It had some of their more recent songs that you've heard, but it's no Joshua Tree. It had songs like Beautiful Day, Elevation, Walk On, and Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out Of. Should they have probably won? Probably not. Uh, I mean, was this the Academy's attempt at uh, another Lifetime Achievement Award? But they got that later with How to Dismantle the Atomic Bomb. Speaking of an attempt to right their previous wrongs, Bob Dylan's Love and Theft was also nominated. This is them trying to give a Lifetime Achievement Award, I think. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one because I honestly didn't know any of the tracks when I was looking through it. And now on to the album that should have won, Outcast Stankonia. Ain't nobody dope as this album. I'm a, not a massive rap aficionado, but I love this song. It really takes me back to a point in time. Um, this was on repeat at every college campus in 2002 when I was, uh, I think, a sophomore in college. So Fresh and So Clean, Miss Jackson, Bombs Over Baghdad, or Bob, they're still classics. Social commentary wrapped in a catchy beat. This album had a much larger cultural impact than anything. Awful Brother, Where Art Thou? And it should have absolutely won. Other nominations, Alison Krauss actually produced Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And won a few years later with Robert Plant, so that's kind of crazy. As for the results, so this is absolutely crazy. Not really when you look at it, but Rumors got 100% of the vote again. In three weeks, they've gotten 100%, 97%, and 100%. You all love Rumors. They destroyed Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I mean, they should. I don't even think Oh Brother, Where Art Thou should have won the year they were up. So really didn't have a chance against one of the best albums of all time. In our next matchup, uh, we have the... Battle of the Soundtracks, the number two is The Bodyguard by Whitney Houston, and the number three is Saturday Night Fever by the Bee Gees. Whitney beat a few names we've heard on our list of losers up to this point, but there were a few unique names here that maybe could have challenged her. The big one, 
that probably could have challenged her is Automatic for the People by R.E.M. This is a real emotional album. R.E.M. is really unhappy and hurt on this album. Also kind of weird and folky, so the Academy should have loved it. Songs like Night Swimming, Man on the Moon, and Everybody Hurts feel right up their alley, but still. So the next nominee was real WTF for me. I had no idea who this person was. I had to look into it quite a bit, and man, does the Academy love Steely Dan. Kamakuriad Kamakuriad by Donald Fagan, who is the Steely Dan's frontman, was the next nominee. This album sounds a lot like the death knell of 80s pop. It's all synthy, poppy beats. I can't find a song that you should check out. It's all terrible. Then, in the middle of the night. Who knew that album was actually called River of Dreams? But the river by... River of Dreams by Billy Joel was also nominated that year on the popularity of that song. Supposedly there are other songs on that album, but the only one that matters and ever will is uh, In the Middle of the Night or River of Dreams, I guess. But it wasn't enough to beat Wit. Sting might have snuck in here with one of those pesky Lifetime Achievement Awards with this album. He was up for Ten Summoner's Tale which had songs Field of Fields of Gold and Shape of My Heart. There's two of his most streamed songs on Spotify. They're on the album. Still probably not enough to beat what was on The Bodyguard. Whitney was also nominated in 1986 for her debut album, Whitney Houston. And in 1988, Whitney, also named after herself. It, I mean, she wasn't the most original person in the world, I guess, when naming an album. For the Bee Gees, um, so this is an interesting group. A couple of notable competitors for the Bee Gees. I think they probably should have still won, but some interesting competition. Even now, from Barry Manilow, was his only ever appearance on this list. Copacabana is fun, but when you're up against the Bee Gees, you got to do better than that. It is crazy, actually, that this album was up against the soundtrack for Grease. It's a little Travolta on Travolta violence. Theater heads must have been so conflicted. These are two of the top soundtracks of all time. You know all of the songs, and they're gonna li- and I'm not gonna list them all, but it's crazy that these two are up against each other. Makes the soundtrack even better that when Saturday Night Fever had to beat out one of the other best soundtracks of all time just to even get into the soundtrack bra- bracket. Honestly, feel bad for these other two albums being up against that those two soundtracks. Jackson Brown's "Running on Empty" is both the name of the album and the best known song from the album. Pretty g- good, but was never gonna beat either of those. It did surprise me, but Some Girls is the Rolling Stones' only album ever to get nominated for Album of the Year. And it doesn't even have their best stuff on it. Feels like a Lifetime Achievement Award attempt. Just My Imagination, Beast of Burden, and Shattered were the well-known songs off the album, but it's not going to be either of those soundtracks. The Bee Gees weren't nominated for anything else. Now on to the results. And we have our first upset of the day. The Bee Gees take down Whitney Houston. Well, Whitney almost lost last week. I thought she was going to lose all week last week. And she staggered into the Sweet 16 and had a lot of negative momentum. So she couldn't really beat out the disco fever. Um, Next week, can the Bee Gees even put up a fight against Rumor? Will they even get a vote? Or will Rumor's string of 100% keep on rolling? I, I honestly don't see him getting a vote. I think it's going to be tough and rumors is going to just roll. And now on to our last bracket, the grab bag living up to its name with its weird collection of albums at our one seed. We have the Beatles 
Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band versus Santana's Supernatural at the five seed. This is pretty crazy, but the Beatles were actually nominated for Best Album for five straight years and only won this one. From 1966 to 1970, they were on the list with Help, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Magical Mystery Tour, and Abbey Road. Looking at their competition this year, it's no surprise at all that they won. Frank Sinatra was trying his hardest to stay relevant at this point and hold off the Beatles. He had beat them the two years previously. So he put out a collection album with Brazilian composer Joe Beam to create some new stuff. Didn't matter. An artist named Vicky Carr, who I'd never heard of, and a song named It Must Be Him was nominated. That's all I got. There was also a gentleman named Ed Ames who put out an album called My Cup Runneth Over, and it was nominated. Another artist named Bobby Gentry had a song named Ode to Billy Joel on a three-song album that was also nominated. Early Grammys. So weird. What are you doing? This is the weakest group of nominees I've ever seen, so not surprising that the Beatles won. The So who did the Beatles lose to? In 1966, Help lost to Sinatra. 1967, Revolver lost to Sinatra. 1969, Magical Mystery Tour lost to Glenn Campbell. And in 1970, Abbey Road lost to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. At our number five seed, Santana ran into some major late 90s pop power, so it kind of surprises me that he actually won. Then again, the Academy really likes to nominate pop albums, but doesn't like to let him win. Um, some of the albums they were up against, rap girl group TLC put out their biggest album, and it was called Fan Mail. Songs No Scrubs and Unpretty were played pretty much on repeat in the early 2000s, uh, but it didn't really touch the quality of what Santana was able to put out. The one that does kind of surprise me is The Chicks, then known as The Dixie Chicks, put out an album at that time, which was by far their biggest, which is called Fly. And they did win another Grammy later on, so I think it was trying to make up for the fact that this one didn't win. This album was their star maker. It had songs like Goodbye Earl. I remember the girls and women at the time that loved that song and it scared the heck out of pretty much every man out there. It also had songs like Cowboy Take Me Away, Sin Wagon, and Without You. These were all hits. This album was on Rolling Stone's list of best albums of all time, so it probably was a contender and should have actually won that year. So boy bands have always and will always be a thing. But in the 90s, the Backstreet Boys really embodied the 90s music video boy band. And they were nominated with their album Millennium, which was really their peak. It was as big as they ever got. I want it that way, larger than life, and show me the meaning of being lowly were high school dance bangers at the time. It was definitely, it was must play. Is it good stuff? No. Probably not, but was it popular? Oh yeah, it was It was very, very popular. Santana should have beat them hand down though. So I do feel like the Academy sometimes throws in albums as nominees just to see if people are actually paying attention. I don't think people are, Lord knows I'm not. But in this case, they nominated an album called When I Look In Your Eyes by Diana Krall. <laughs> what? Who is that? Never heard it. Anyhow, she was nominated that year. Other nominees, this is Santana's only nominee. So, not surprisingly, the Beatles cruise. 
in our results. Santana was the lowest remaining seed, and it showed here with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band picking up 82% of the vote. In our number two, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette versus number three, Joshua Tree by U2. The last pairing of the night, and yet again, there are some real gems that these two albums beat. First off, for Alanis Morissette, she beat Daydream by Mariah Carey, and it has a ton of Mariah Carey's very best stuff. This is the album right after her Christmas album, which is one of the biggest albums of all time. It's her best-selling album, which is kind of crazy. It sold 11 million copies. It was a huge, huge matchup that year between her and Alanis. The songs on this album include Fantasy, One Sweet Day, and Always Be My Baby, One Sweet Day was number one on the charts for 16 weeks, which was a 23-year record for being number one on the charts. A huge album. Absolutely was the moneymaker for Mariah Carey. Also up that year, History, Past, Present, and Future, Book One by Michael Jackson. It seems like everybody and their mom must have bought Jagged Little Pill, Daydream, and History that year because History sold 8 million albums too and had massive hits like Scream and You Are Not Alone. Scream was a duet between um, Michael and his sister Janet and You Are Not Alone featured his then-wife Lisa Marie Presley on the album as well. Relish by Joan Osborne is an album that I hadn't thought of in a long time and it actually made me laugh when I pulled it up to look at it because I hadn't thought about it in so long but it was everywhere in the 90s the song One of Us actually sounds like it could have been an Alanis song it's the one about what if God was one of us uh the stranger on the bus um however she's like the epitome of the one hit wonder I've never heard any of other other songs on the album and you probably haven't either besides that one And this is kind of shocking, but this is one of the only nominees for a grunge band. You may not like the style, but the influence on the early 90s was huge. Vitalogy from Pearl Jam wasn't even their best album. They had some other ones like 10 and Verse uh, that were much better. But this was the one where they kind of changed their sound and degrunged a little bit, which shockingly is what they get nominated for, right? Songs Better Man and Corduroy were probably the best names known songs out there. They weren't going to beat any of the monster albums that were out there, but, you know, that is what it, what Alanis had to go through. She wasn't nominated for any of her other albums, so not surprising that she won this one. And last but not least, you too might have the most impressive victory of our 16 finalists. We'll run through the albums, but here's who they had to beat in 1988 to win their album of the year Whitney Houston Michael Jackson Dolly Parton and Prince dang and in 2003 Harry Styles wins and we those are those were all up in the same year kind of crazy Whitney by Whitney Houston was her second album and sold over 10 million copies she had five singles off this album peak at number one on the billboard charts including I want to dance with somebody Didn't we almost have it so emotional and where do broken hearts go? So this was just absolutely massive. It was a huge Whitney Houston album and it really was the one that took her to the top. Also up that year, Bad from Michael Jackson also sold 11 million copies. So it's really hard to actually figure out how many albums somebody sold when you're looking through this. So I try and use the RIA database, but other estimates say that this album actually sold 35 million copies globally making it one of the 
best-selling albums of all time. So oddly enough, this was the album that he put out after Thriller, and he had taken almost a five-year break to put this one together. Songs include Bad, Man in the Mirror, Dirty Diana, and Smooth Criminal. They're still all-time songs. Probably the weakest album on this list, but it has some huge artists that worked on it, is Trio by Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstad, and Emmylou Harris. It was a collection of their songs that they'd all kind of recorded together. Telling Me Lies actually trended on the regular charts as well as was number one on the country charts. And then there's Prince's Sign of the Times. 1988 was a crazy Grammy class. Sign of the Times didn't have the same commercial success as Purple Rain, but a number of contemporary reviewers actually say this is one of his best albums and shows his musical range with songs like If I Was Your Girlfriend, You Gotta Look, is probably the best known album song off the album. So just absolute crazy class. U2 was also nominated in 1993 for Akshung Baby, lost to Unplugged by Eric Clapton. In 2002, All That You Can't Leave Behind lost to Oh Brother Where Art Thou. And in 2006, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb did end up winning. So the results, it's interesting that the albums that had the hardest Grammy categories are the ones doing the very best in this round. But we do have another upset here with Joshua Tree taking down Alanis Morissette with 64% of the vote. So next week, we actually have another one versus three matchup. Honestly, Sgt. Peppers hasn't had a massive challenge yet. So we'll see if you two can really put up a fight and try and try and win this one. Okay. So I know that's a long pod, but we do have our final eight albums. And man, there are some really interesting matchups this week. I feel like my matchup of the week this week has to be Thriller versus Adele. That modern bracket has just been a slugfest. Big matchups every single week. I'm actually thinking that all four one seeds may make it to the final four. It's rare when it happens, but in the NCAA tournament, it has happened. I know this has been a little longer than the last couple of pods, but I'm hoping it was interesting. We're still trying to figure out the right format and what to do here and experimenting with a few things. So let me know what you think. Make sure to vote on our our final four matchups. Um, please share the link with your friends and make sure that they're voting for your favorites. Voting will be open till noon central, one Eastern next Thursday, May 25th. The link to the vote is in the description. If you're interested in listening to the songs from any of these albums, I've made a playlist where the songs that I mentioned in the first pod from these albums are included in the description. I can't just put the songs in the pod or else I'd be in some trouble with some, uh, rights. So not going to do that please do come join the discord server. Um, there's a few active members and we get a couple new ones every week. We'd love to hear what you think. Come and tell us. Speaking of opinions, if you could really like the podcast, give us a review. It'd be a huge help. We're, we're trying to grow and get some more listeners. So please do. With that, thank you so much for listening. It's been really fun to start seeing this take off even a little bit. So I really appreciate your participation and listening to me ramble on about these artists and albums it's been a lot of fun remember you may not like the results but you can't argue with the process if you don't like how things are going the only way to change it is to invite more of your friends with similar music tastes to come in and vote and most of all don't forget to enjoy the madness 